Three Amigos FBL podcast. I'm the Marple Curse, and I'm joined as always by my amigo Mars, who you can find on Twitter at Mars05, and of course Kylie, you can find at Kylie FBL. Make sure you're following our group account at Three Amigos FBL. In this Getting to Know You mini series, we've interviewed FBL managers from all over the world as it's our mission to let our listeners get to know the people behind the FBL accounts we interact with each week. To do that, we've come up with 20 questions which will reveal exactly who they are. With the Amigos now, we have Neil, who you should all know and love from his Twitter account at Ron Ildino, um, R-O-N-I-L-D-I-N-H-O. And um, Neil, first of all, you're very welcome to the show. Um, and as I mentioned in the before the show, thanks very much for changing your Twitter handle right before the program so you had tripped me up. Uh, are you ready to bear your soul to the FBL community? Yes, I am. I am. <laughs> Sorry about that. Excellent. You have, a, you have a fantastic voice for a radio, Neil, may I, may I say. It's, <laughs> it's the only one that's going to rival me for the se- and Stag, of course, for the sexy male Leave, Don, um, you're always voice. jealous of, of people's yes. voices. You got very really. upset about Stag, it has to be said. He, I, love yeah. how, well, I love how you add, you're going to rival me, but yeah, no... <laughs> People yeah, commented I on mean, Stag's accent. People Neil has yeah, on my accent voice Neil, there do. was a there was an incident where we were podcasting towards the end of the season, and we had uh, Sam and Lee from uh, FPL Family on, yeah. and a few others, Stag included, and. Um, FPL family always record with video when they're doing it, so we could watch. And as Stag was talking, Sam just kept getting closer and closer to the screen. So she was and blushing and hiding her head blushing. and everything. Else. She was very flustered, loving the <laughs> accent from Stag, um, and was very impressed with the Irish accent. And I was um, devastated. God was devastated that his didn't cut muster. Well, that, that, that's we. I actually think I've. Strange accent because I've been I'm British originally but been living in Copenhagen Denmark for a few years so I my accent is kind of hybrid weird. yeah yeah it's a bit of a hybrid someone has said before they weren't sure whether I was Danish originally who then lived in London for a long time or if I was from London originally and then just lived in Denmark for a long time so I am kind of between the two a little bit these days and that's excellent anyway it's, do you think you do voiceovers or something. Maybe that's maybe that's what we'll recruit you for when um when Kylie gets the finger out and starts creating some three amigos content, we can get you on the voiceover <laughs> for it. <laughs> let's let's kick on with our twenty questions, Neil. So um I wanna hear some real nervousness in your voice, okay, because um I know this is this is ominous. We're gonna to get to find out exactly who you are, okay? So um first of all, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, maybe like your your name, obviously, where you live. You've mentioned there that you're in Denmark, and uh, you can go into your job hobbies if you'd like. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, Neil Murray is is my name. Um, as you said recently, rather annoyingly for you, changed my Twitter handle to at Ronnie Aldinio. Um, as I touched on, British originally, lived in Copenhagen in Denmark for a few years now. Um, so my my day job is actually I work for a venture capital fund. So I'm investing into early stage tech startups, meaning that my day job is actually very much like being an FPL manager. I'm making decisions on a daily basis based on limited data. 
and weighing up high risk, high reward moves. Um, and yeah, I mean, my hobby is is FPL and, and tweeting, which pretty much takes up the rest of my time outside of my day job. Uh, that's really interesting. So when you're talking about startups, then you're talking like very early stage um, initial funding. Is that it? Exactly. So like the first external money that goes into a company. So you have really very little to go on. Um, so most of my decisions are based on wherever I feel like the team is strong enough to deliver in an area um, that they're experts in. So it is very limited information. Um, it's a lot about the individuals um, and, and kind of judging them and, and their potential. So Ultimately, my every day, what I try and be good at is making quality decisions. So it definitely kind of rolls over into FPL as well. So I do. So think do you, do you check their XG and XA? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could. I wish I could. That would be helpful. <laughs> probably be better. <laughs> it would be very helpful. Yeah. So what made you move to Copenhagen then? Sorry, uh, my, girl, my, my girlfriend is Danish. Uh, oh, okay. It, that, that's okay. a short answer. That's a short okay. answer. We met, we met in London and lived in London for a few years. Um, we had kids and, and felt that Denmark was probably a better place to bring them up than London is the short answer. Yeah, not the only person I think that. I've got a close friend who's done exactly the same. His wife is Danish and they moved back. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, great, uh, it's a great place to live. Oh, lovely. All right, we'll move on to the the next one then. Go a little off course here. So if you weren't human, which animal would your personality match best and why? So what's your spirit animal, really? Yeah, this this, is a critical question. This is actually a really hard question, to be honest. Um, So I put put some thought into this. I, I think I'm a mule because I'm very stubborn. Um, But then I actually Googled that and I actually found out that while that's a perception of mules, it's actually not true. So mules are actually <laughs> just misunderstood. And I can relate oh. to that as well. Um, this, is, so, this is brilliant research. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah, I, I did some research. <laughs> I love this. It's <laughs> really adorable. And I, I'm now worrying about the plight of the mule who's just been grossly exactly. you know, misunderstood, it, it, poorly treated in film and everything. Oh. <laughs> Well, I I only watched um, an ad actually came on showing you know one of the the donkey charities, so that's what's in my mind now as you're yep. saying that. So I'm feeling really sorry for you, Neil. Yeah, no, no, but I hadn't expected thing. to so feel that. Don't don't feel sorry for me because in my research I discovered yeah just misunderstood. So the reason why they're viewed as stubborn is because they you know they they typically don't move when humans try and get them to do something. But the reason why they don't move is because apparently they're very concerned with self-preservation and they just don't want to be overworked. So they're actually very smart. I can respect that. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm smart, but I am very stubborn and I may be misunderstood. So I'm going to say (laughs) so I'm going to say that I'm a mule. I love that that's the first time we've had that question feature in our getting to know you pods <laughs> and it, it's already a winner. I love that. The bar, the bar is set so high right now. Like. It is. <laughs> yeah. That's a strong start there. Yeah. Well done. Right. So um, back back to football, Neil, now that you're, you're a bit more relaxed and uh, telling us that you're a mule. How and when did you first get into FPO and football in general? 
Yeah, well, this so this season coming up is actually um, my tenth year of playing FPL. But to be honest, I I, I discovered Fantasy Football Scout, which is like my first way into to fantasy football um, around six or seven years ago. So I think that that's when I started taking it more seriously. And then when I discovered FFS, I was starting to win mini leagues against some of my more casual mates. Um, but if I'm if I'm honest, I really think last season was the first year that I took it like deadly seriously. Um, and that was mainly because I just got off to a flyer. Um, and then I was doing really well at the beginning, so I wanted to take it more seriously. And that's kind of like when I started paying more attention to what was going on and then eventually found uh, Twitter um, and everything that was going on there. And it's just because I got off to a really good start. So I've been playing it for 10 years, six or seven semi-seriously, and then probably like one year very, so, very seriously. Neil, be, be honest now. Yeah. Are you like uh, Don? I did not take it seriously because my rank was in the millions, and last year I did all right, so I would say I took it seriously from last year. <laughs> oh, I... oh, oh, you, <laughs> oh, you really did not take it seriously, but you were still doing better than than a million. Okay, so I think it's probably a little bit in between. Mm. Like, if not I'm, so, not so, if no, I'm joking. honest, right? <laughs> so it's like when I say take it seriously, I feel like in the last twelve months I've probably understood the game better than I ever did before. So it's more like that. So like yeah. when I said I didn't take the game seriously, like four or five years ago, three years ago, I don't know, three, four, five years ago, I finished like 6K, right? And that's my best ranking. So clearly I was like doing okay. Yeah. Um, but like if, honestly, if I look at that and think, how did I finish 6K? I don't think I could finish 6K now knowing what I know now, right? So definitely mm-hmm. some luck involved. Um, so like, yeah, when I'm saying... I didn't take it seriously until the last 12 months. I just think I, I feel like I'm learning every single year and I never stop learning about how to play the game. And I feel like I improve every single year, even playing the game for 10 years. So that's why I think last 12 months I've, I've been like really like studious and tried to take it seriously uh, and tried to finish very highly. And I never did that before. And I've probably got a bit lucky in the past when I've had some high finishes. Mm. Say it's probably fair to say that you maybe are concentrating more on the overall rank, whereas before you might have been you might have been more with the mini leagues or whatever like that. But, but I know as Maris is saying there, it, I was I was very probably the definition four or five years ago, the definition casual. Set up a team, um, do it for the first few weeks and then just barely check in every so often. Yeah. Um, yeah, then maybe I'm being a bit loose, right, with the definition. I would say that I've not been a cat. Like, uh, then I've been serious for six, seven. No, Mars, Mars is just trying to slide me off, Neil, so don't worry about <laughs> it. It's true. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Any opportunity. And uh, football in general? What's the. When do you, what, what team do you support, actually? Yeah, well, actually, I, I would say support is a strong word, especially these days, but a fan of Newcastle. Um, Very good. Yeah, it, it it's a little. It's not very, it's not that. very good. It, I know, I know a lot of we like Chief, and we have a few, um, we have a few big Newcastle fans on on yeah, Twitter, Twitter community. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually surprised at how many there are. Um, but no, so it's it's very painful right now. I have to be honest. Like, I consider myself to be more of a football fan than I do a Newcastle fan these days. Um, but like my my first memories of football probably. I think my strongest memories are between 94 and 96. Actually, Ray Houghton's goal for Ireland against Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's probably... Who put the ball in the English net? Houghton did. Houghton did. It's honestly, and I'm English, right? But that's probably my <laughs> first vivid football memory. Like, football goal. Like, honestly, that stands out for me as, like, mm. the, the first goal that I can remember, um, to be honest. That USA 94, when he scored that goal, I think it's the first goal I remember. But other than that, I also remember the FA Cup final that year, weirdly. Um, Newcastle's first year in the Premier League that year. Um, obviously Euro 96 as an Englishman was, was a big moment for me. Mm. Newcastle signing Alan Shearer. So like 94, 95, 96, probably like my most formative memories of, of being a football fan. That's great. Cause then that, that great time to be a Newcastle fan, really exciting times. Yeah. I can only imagine if you were an English person and the Newcastle fan, Shearer signing was, uh, was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I, I remember that day very well when Shearer signed. Mm. And uh, tell me, Neil, um, if you're giving tactical advice to someone starting out in their FPL career, this is uh, question four, um, what would that be? Yeah, I, I think that like where we are right now in preseason, I, I was thinking about this with like a lens on game week one. And I would probably say like the most important piece of advice I would probably give would, would be to like concentrate on the right setup ahead of game week one rather than the right players. So you want to be able to move to the form players in one move, probably maximum two. So it's less about identifying who is going to bang and more about having the flexibility to be able to quickly get to those who do bang. So I would say focus on your setup and have a nice balance in terms of your formation, in terms of where you've put your money across your team. And don't worry necessarily about identifying the players that are going to going to really explode but more about having the flexibility to jump on them when they do yeah i'd completely agree with that actually the flexibility is huge and that's probably something you learn as you continue to play more um and something that's helpful for for anyone who's starting out um so tell us what's your favorite fpl memory okay so it's going to be very cheesy, but it's actually discovering that the FPL Twitter community existed. Um, so interacting with so many people who are as crazy about the game as I am and having people say that my tweets had helped them at the end of last season, that was that was like a really satisfying moment for me. Um, I, I, I didn't know that Twitter, F, well, FPL Twitter existed until halfway through last season i had been on fantasy football scout like i said for like six seven years but i i thought that was it i thought that was where everyone was discussing fantasy football and nothing else outside of that existed so discovering fpl twitter and, and kind of being a part of that and and having people kind of interact with me and and, and saying that my tweets had helped them that was like a really amazing moment for me so i i would definitely say that that is overall my favorite fpl memory if i had to go for like the memory that probably made me go through the craziest of emotions it would probably be when i triple captained the bamiang last year and that was mainly out of relief more than anything else um i got a lucky assist and a penalty goal so i got 12 points from my triple captain and i i think i'd recently got a load of twitter followers so i was really feeling the pressure to like make such a move when people had suddenly started to listen to what i was saying so i i really felt under pressure um so when that 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 came off i i felt very relieved so that was probably my favorite moment of last season like if you're talking about 
the game itself, but definitely my favorite FPL memory is just discovering the community and being a part of it. Yeah, really. I, remember, I remember you coming on, um, coming on actually uh, on, on my Twitter feed anyway, uh, sometime last year. I remember started reading your your threads and and I also listened to uh, your pod with um, who got the sis boys and the beginning made me laugh where you said you started you started uh, a thread saying that Pereira was the best value defender. <laughs> And then you, the reason you make more threads <laughs> is to make that, that thread disappear, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I put myself in a position where, like, I really need to, like, stop being associated with that, right? So then the, the, that, that's the reason I just kept making more, because I could just... <laughs> so, just push <laughs> so, down your feet. <laughs> would, that, would that be... So leading on to question six, would that be something that you would reverse? One of the, the, it's it's, it's kind of like it's a decision or a move, but it could be because you'd write a lot of threads. It could be a thread that you decide that actually that was completely wrong in hindsight or is there a decision or a move that if you could refer reverse in fbl you would do what would that be yeah that no that's a good point like Pereira, like i i will stand by that he actually did really well once i sold him in game week 35 actually in the last three <laughs> game weeks he, actually, <laughs> he did he did, he did yeah. double figures like a couple of times <laughs> so he actually scored more points than doherty so you know i i'll stand by it i'll stand by it but no in in all seriousness yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll stand by it. But in, in all seriousness, I try not to regret too much as, as I try and focus on the quality of decision rather than outcome. Um, but there was like, there was one decision that really stung me last year because I, I was sitting at 1K and I mean, many people did this as well. And luckily I didn't triple captain him, but I did sell Hazard for Sane when Hazard got a couple against Huddersfield and, and Sane, you know, we got like one point in that double game week, I think. Um, and then ultimately that meant that I captained Sane instead of Aguero because I was going to get Aguero in for Aubameyang. And what really hurt about it was that I actually tweeted that the one thing that we don't like, the one thing that we can't do, the one thing that we can't guess is we can't second guess Pep. And yep. so like the point that I was making is we can't second guess him. So let's not do that. So let's not try and figure out if he's going to start Sane or not. Let's just go for Aguero. Hmm. And so I was going to do that. And then I went against my own advice and I still made the move. And that really hurt because I, I, I kind of knew it was the wrong thing to do. And I still did it. Um, and I was sitting at 1K in the world at that point. So that, that really hurt. Wrong. I mean, so yeah. I, I, would really- I had the same issue with, with Sane, but I, I was nowhere near 1K. And it was painful enough watching those Aguero goals go in and Sane. Yeah. Tell us, Neil. You're the boss at FBL for one day and can change one rule or feature in the game. What is it? Um, so I think I would actually make the price rises and fallers completely transparent. So you'd be able to see who is going to rise and fall and when. Because I, I, I like the reason for this is because I think that every player should have access to the same level of information as because then the game becomes more about the quality of your decisions rather than the amount of information you have access to. So I don't know if that's a little controversial or not, but like for me, it's it's something that I didn't discover until the last couple of years. It actually gives an edge to players who just know where to look for information. And I think that ultimately the game should be more about the quality of your decision rather than the information you have access to. Okay, well, tell us, describe yourself as an FPL manager in three words then. Can I only give three words or can I say why I've said those three words? No, you can tell us why. 
Yeah, okay. just pick okay. your three kind of things and you can yeah. explain it. Yeah. Okay, so I would say calculated, risky, and unconventional. Um, and a reason for those three words are calculated. I definitely think through my decisions a lot. I put a lot of time into thinking through the moves that I want to make. Um, risky, I'm, I'm very actively looking for risky moves. The more risky, the better. The more people don't want to take a risk, the more I want to take a risk. Um, so I'm not just like talking about hits for transfers there. I'm actually looking for trying to, to, to get an edge while others are avoiding risk. Um, and an unconventional, I mean, I once advocated playing without a goalkeeper for three weeks. Um, that was one of, that, <laughs> that was one of my, that was one of my crazier moments, but, um, I was, can I just ask, what was that, the logic? That, right yeah, there? we need, we need some embellishment <laughs> need on that more one. More insight on this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty crazy even for me, but there was a point in the middle of last season, I think it was like around game week 24 approximately. I think uh, I had Guaita from from Palace. I just got him in on my wild card. I played it super early. Um, and then he got injured. And then there was a bit of uncertainty about how many games he was going to be out for. And it looked like it could be as many as three. I think it was actually zero. Everyone was going in buying him. Because I feel like I remember something about this. Yeah. And he became a popular move and then got injured. And like yeah. loads got caught out. Exactly. I think I bought him in on my wild card. I played it early. And then he got injured after like 40 minutes. Like the week after I played my wild card, mm. right? So there was like, one reason was I just played my wild card and I got him as my goalkeeper. And then there was like three moves that I wanted to make ahead of getting another goalkeeper. And it was like, I really wanted Sun in. He was like really on form. And I felt like the upside that I was going to get for like Sun for one of my midfielders that wasn't performing over a couple of weeks would probably be the, probably be higher points than I would get for just replacing him with a goalkeeper budget goalkeeper right because Guaita was like 4.5 I think Mm. um for like three games I'd probably get like one clean sheet out of him whereas if I got Sun he'd probably get a couple of goals I'd probably end up with more points so I kind of made this thread where I said hey do you know what getting a new goalkeeper right now is probably like my fourth most desired move um yeah exactly it was my fourth priority so i actually advocated going out of a goal going about a goalkeeper for three weeks but i i I think way to come back after one week so i i didn't really have to do it but i i would definitely say unconventional some of some other people describe my thoughts sometimes as unpopular or (laughs) or if they're polite maybe contrarian um i i definitely make some weird cases occasionally yeah but that's fun that's fun but that is fun yeah because i know if if someone was listening to this if someone was listening to this now they'd be going um that uh thinking that they're all you're all your threads are crazy whereas they're actually a lot of the time they're very fact-based they're very you know well thought out planned whereas um yeah the the one that that one there definitely needed a bit of explanation but i can totally understand because sometimes you're looking at your goalkeeper position you go i don't really like that keeper don't have a whole lot of holes for him but i have a lot more fires to put out or priorities to um to make big gains so that's how people ended up with fabianski for so long last season Mm, yeah Yeah. so so neil now that you know we have a lot of time um between the game launch and the season kickoff and with your uh unconventional tactics how do you set up for (laughs) How do you set up and um, for, you, for for week one? Well, Tell us I, uh, I, like your quick pointers. 
Yeah, I think my I, I'm actually basically planning to be the first manager to actually play five at the back who said they were going to play five at the back in preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be never a record. Happened. No, never it never happened. happened. Before. I don't believe. So, everyone says they're going to do it and then no one does it. So that that's my aim. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be the first person <laughs> to ever do that. Um, but in all seriousness, when I look at like the 5.5 to 7 million options in defensive midfield, I really think that the best value and, and the points are really in defense. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that I will be setting up with a big five. Um, and the funny thing is, I, I don't really believe it's five at the back anyway. It's more like zero at the uh, back. Right? attack is, right? Exactly. Like, like when you have like TAA, Robertson, I, I mean, the, the attacking points and Dina, like the attacking points that those guys get are unreal. So for me, it's like you, you look at it and on paper it's five at the back, but in reality it's actually not. Um, so I, I'm definitely an advocate for five at the back. I definitely think that that's a tactic I'm going to play. Um, so yeah, that would, that would be like what I'm building my week one team around at the moment. Awesome. And, uh, how about for the rest of the season? Like talk us through your game week routine. Uh, when like do you typically make your transfers, captain decisions, et cetera? Yeah. So I think Friday is the most active day for me. Um, I, I actually try and avoid like Saturday morning. So I try and stay off Twitter unless there's a situation I'm like closely monitoring. Unless it's like, oh, a Salah's touch and go or whatever that I will be on Twitter to try and monitor. But otherwise I'll just avoid it because I think there's so much like fake information or panic that sets in that can really influence your decision. So in general, I try and stay off Saturday, which means Friday is the day where I make all of my decisions. So from pretty much Monday on, like as soon as the last game week is finished, I'll start thinking through my options for the following week, transfers that I might want to make, captains that I might want to consider. And then I will just keep weighing it up and thinking it through all week. And then Friday after the press conferences, and then I'll maybe like check Twitter and see what the general talk is there. Maybe look at some captain comparisons, go on Fantasy Football Scout, see like the Scout 11 or who they're talking about from a captaincy point of view. Once I've kind of collated all that information, I'll make my moves on a Friday evening um, and that will be it. And unless there's like something crazy that happens on the Saturday, which is like 100% set in stone, then that might affect me. But generally, I am done by Friday and shutting it down and not touching it again. Just when you do that, make sure that you don't have a, a friend that takes your password and puts your new player in on the bench. Make sure, make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> didn't happen. Sorry, didn't happen, but... <laughs> I, did, I did not bench Madison, all right? I did not yeah, find Madison right. and bench him for him to score a free kick and start a walking defender. I am sure that Your, your bitterness is showing, Barzi. Uh, okay, so, Nielsen, you've said that you're a risky manager. So, I guess, what's your view on on hits? And so, when do you... In what situations, I guess, and when do you feel happy to take hits? And being risky, would you include taking a number of hits in that kind of philosophy or would you view that separately? Yeah, I I, I don't know. So, like, the, the way that I see risk is that I want to take risk when other people are scared too, as I think that's where you can really make ground. And I think if you're going to take a risk, you want to maximize the potential upside. And the best time to do that is when others are scared to do it. So for me, risk is not just about hits. It's about making the moves others would be too fearful to consider. Um, and I think that 
for me, like the Aubameyang triple captain was an example of that, where I felt like I could really make an edge that week because some people would consider that to be too risky, whereas I felt it was it, it was a chance where I could kind of go out and make some ground on some people. And I think Magnus Carlsen, the, the chess champion, was a great example last year as well. Captain Hazard, when everyone else captain Salah, people said that was a bit silly because everyone else was captain Salah. But the thing is, that's that's the perfect time to take a risk, in my opinion, is when everyone else is looking one way, you want to look the other way. So for me, being risky is about identifying the right type of risk and actually identifying the right type of like potential upside. So I want to be as risky as possible. If I'm going to take a risk, I want to take the craziest risk possible. So if I look at my hits last season, I think I took like... Don't quote me on this exactly, but I think I took six-ish, seven, oh, maybe. Not, not that many. No, but I took four in one week, right? Like, I took okay. a minus 16 one week. So, for me, it, like, you could look at me as conservative or risky, and, and that's exactly how I play. It's like, I want to I wanna figure out the right moment to take a risk um, and, and maximize that. So, yeah, I took a minus 16 towards the back end of the season, but I probably took, like, minus 24, minus... 28 across the whole season so in general you could look at me and say i was quite conservative but at the same time i took a minus 16 one game week so i'm also a risky i'm, man. All, I'm all i'm all for i'm all for hits neil if if they needed i don't care probably made a mistake once panic whatever uh, once but apart from that if i need a hit i'll take <laughs> it i'm not scared to be honest <laughs> what <laughs> It's, 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 I just think that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Neil, my favorite question. Uh, my thoughts on Dini are very well documented. Yeah, I still bought him and then he got sent off against Arsenal. Um, so who is your equivalent of Dini? Is there a player or a team that you just would not touch because of bad experience? Or, I don't know, you said you're not really a supporter of Newcastle, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, I, I, <laughs> one player that I've kind of been very outspoken about on Twitter as a who I don't consider a great fantasy option is probably KDB so I've kind of really nailed my colors to the mast on him so I think it would be pretty weird if I bought him from now on so I don't think I'm going to buy him in the future um, and I know that's a really unpopular opinion and actually I think he's like an amazing footballer um, and one of the best footballers in the Premier League so there's nothing about that at all I think he's just not a fantasy option in terms of how I like to play the game. So for me, I really think he's like the third or fourth best city pick. Um, I'd rather have Sterling. I'd rather have Aguero. I'd probably have rather have Laporte or Edison. I might even prefer to have Bernardo Silva because of his price. So for me, like I don't really like making compromises on the best options and the best teams. And secondly, like his goal threat just isn't good enough. He scores a goal like every four and a half Premier League games. And that's not the explosiveness that I want from attacking players. Um, I know it's consistent, but I want consistency from my defenders. I want explosiveness from my attacking players. So I think for me, KDB is someone that everyone else loves as a fantasy option. But I have kind of very publicly said I don't think he's a great option. So it would be pretty weird for me to backtrack on him now. You feel you've kind of nailed your colours to the map. Exactly. 
you need to you need to stick to it. It's a KDB's definitely an interesting one. I am I'm undecided. I've always been in your camp. I'd agree with what you're saying. I've this preseason I've I have looked at them once or twice, but we'll see how we go. Um you mentioned earlier on um about be the FBL community and kind of when getting involved on Twitter and being or previously with the FF Scout with the forums there and all that and the chat. But uh, what do you like best about being part of the FPL community? Uh, tell us how you got started on those threads. Um, how did you not just decide to come in with, oh, I think I really fancy um, someone <laughs> and just and just leave it at one tweet, Neil? Why did, yeah. you, why did you decide to do threads? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great question. And they do intertwine of each other. Is because what I'm really interested in is other people's thought process. So I really hate, like, rate my teams or, like, should mm. I choose A or should I choose B? Like, I'm not even interested in other people's moves. I'm interested in why they've made those moves. So why did they prioritize that transfer? Why are you happy to captain that player against a promoted club this week, but not against the promoted club they played against last week? You know, talk me through that decision. And I want to know your thought process. And to me, that's the most interesting content on FPL Twitter. Definitely relates to my day job, like, because I am making decisions a lot. I always want to know why people made their decisions and not necessarily the actual decision itself. So that's also what led me to write threads because I think it's essentially a window into my decision-making process. Like I literally detail, right, okay, this is the first thought I had and then I moved here and then I looked at this and then I looked at this and then it's made me think this. So that's what I find most interesting is the decision-making process, not necessarily the decision itself. And that's actually interesting because I've noticed that there does seem to be a lot more threads happening on, on Twitter <laughs> these days. But it does absolutely give you more insight because there can be a lot of things like bias that are playing a part into why someone chooses A over B and that's not really relevant in helping inform someone else's decision, you know, if it's bias. So if there They're is the new blog post, aren't they? They're basically like the new blog post, you know, like the blog post you yeah. write with your captain picks or whatever, but uh, but they're they're a lot handier and more concise. I, I like them. Yeah, succinct is is good. Mm. Um, oh, okay. beautiful, beautiful, Kylie. Succinct what? in the Australian accent is fantastic, Kylie. Succinct. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. Um, so this is a tricky question. Um, Tell us about the first five people that you followed um, on Twitter and are still following. Yeah, well, I had to go and look at this. And you've actually led me to messaging them one of them this evening. And we've had a little conversation about it. So thank you to you. And, it's a, it, That's oh, nice. and, it, and you really, really are. And you're connecting your episodes as well. So the first ever person that I followed on FPL Twitter was Adam Hopcroft. <laughs> exactly. Well, there so, we go. <laughs> another another thread man. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he was the very first person I followed, and then like, so I actually did some research before we had this conversation. I looked at who were the first five I followed, and Adam was the first. And then I messaged him and I said, Adam, I'm just researching for free amigos. I've just found out you were the first person I followed, and the reason for that was he was on the scout cast on Fantasy Football Scout. And then they said, oh, he's on Twitter. This is his Twitter account. And then I went to his Twitter account and I saw that he was tweeting about FPL and I saw that people were interacting with it. And that's how I discovered FPL. Ah, Twitter. So that's <laughs> how I had the, no idea. the whole community. Wow. So Adam brought you to 
He did. And I had no idea. What a great account to start with as well. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I had no idea that was how it happened for me until a couple of hours ago. So I messaged Adam and I said, thanks. I just discovered that you were the reason why <laughs> I discovered FPL. So we, we, we exchanged. So we message. actually have Adam to thank in a strange way for your threads now appearing on Twitter. Yeah, seriously. Honestly, it would have that, just been hidden in FF Scout. It, it so. would have been. It would have been. It would have been. And then you can see who the rest, like the rest of the people I followed were. So like number two was Andy. Let's talk FPL. I knew him yeah. in Scoutcast as well. John T or or FF Scout Joe. Joe. What, yeah. All the main Joe. guys from FF Scout. Yeah, yeah. See, as I knew him from before. Um, and then yeah, James Eggersdorf and FPL General were fourth and fifth. So yeah, awesome. very familiar names. Yeah, absolutely. I like that story. I'm feeling all like nostalgic now. That's nice. Yeah, it's really nice. It was like really great for me to discover. And I messaged Adam and I said, thank you. Um, and then we exchanged some messages. So that was very nice. Yeah, whoever came yeah, up with the record. idea to bring that question was a genius. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Suddenly yeah. slid that in there. Nice. <laughs> right, Neil. Uh, so if you had to choose one player, past or present, to have in your field team, who would that be? Yeah, so being a Newcastle fan, I would have actually picked Andy Cole. First season in a Premier League, we actually finished third as a promoted team. He scored mm. 34 goals. Yeah, he was on fire. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, promoted striker, what would he have been priced at? Like six million? Because he was the main man, probably 5.56. Yeah, 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 but like six million probably for a promoted striker, 34 goals. Probably the biggest FPL bargain ever. And as a Newcastle fan, I would have wanted him. I had Andy Carroll when when he had a good season as well for us. Um, but I think Andy Cole, 34 goals, first season of Premier League, would have been honestly one of the best FPL players ever. Yeah, awesome. Um, the uh, yeah, Cole. I was expecting Shearer there, but um, there was a lot, of, <laughs> lot of a lot of Newcastle options. Yeah, I have no uh, idea who Andy Cole is. No oh way. My God. Oh, nope. credibility, our, our credibility. I, like, gone. bear in mind, ours, listeners ours, know ours, this. Shut down the account. <laughs> shut down the account. We're gone. I can't I believe you just said that. In, well, uh, I arrived loud. in this country. I bet you she knows you what know, flipping David Ginola's. I bet she knows who he is. So you don't know, you don't know anything about uh, York and Cole partnership? No. Like, this, Who's this York? Iconic, really. well, Who's well, York? Pres- it's not the chocolate bar, that's for sure. Before my place. time. It goes before my time. Kylie, we're, we'll say? talk after this, okay? Your, your annual review's coming up. Uh, <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> when I fact-checked fact that, I went on Wikipedia earlier, and actually I was I felt sick and a little bit angry that it said Andy Cole was mainly associated with Manchester United. Mm. For me, as a Newcastle fan, he's mainly associated with Newcastle. And yeah, course, definitely. He almost played double the games for United, actually. But I, I was still kind of taken aback that it said Andy Cole, best known for Manchester United, because That's filthy. he's still a Newcastle legend. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas all is the York carrying Cole, what was it? Or Cantona, wasn't it? He's uh, from carrying Cole all the time. 
was some uh, there was a, there was jokes anyway. They didn't really appreciate them like Newcastle did. No. Uh, let's 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 move on, Neil, to question sixteen. Um, you're hosting a dinner party and can invite any three people, living or dead. So, um, who are they? Um, what food and drink are you putting in front of them? Okay, so I would probably pick. So I'd pick not one non-footballing person, which would be Jimmy Iovine, who is the founder with Dr. Dre of Beats Headphones. And also he was a sound engineer. And then he like got working in record producing and started his own label. And like really he was just this like really hardworking guy who had no real right to be in the industry that he was working in. He really worked his way up just through like hard work, dedication, ambition. So like that's just someone that I really admire and like can can kind of draw a lot of parallels um with him and myself and my own career um, in terms of like lack of education and, and working in, in areas that I really have no right in being in. So Jimmy Iovine would, would be one of them because he's someone that I really look up to. Um, Bobby Robson um, would be another, I think, yeah, obviously being a Newcastle fan, um, huge fan of Bobby Robson, but not only that, like, I don't know if, if if any of you or any of the listeners have, have seen the documentary on Bobby Robson, but like the the impact that he had on the game and of the influential figures that he had in the game is just unreal. I mean, Guardiola, Mourinho, like Shearer, Lineker, um, Ronaldo, like he had such a direct impact on so many great careers. I just think he'd have some great stories to tell as well. So I love, love to have dinner with him. Um, probably the only kind of celebrity that I've actually been upset at when they've died. Um, and then my third guest would be uh, Mourinho. He used to be Robson's assistant, so he could take some good notes of what of, of Robson's stories, um, so we'd remember them. Hmm. Um, no, I'm only joking. Mourinho, like, actually is a big <laughs> inspiration to me as well. Like, uh, again, like similar to Jimmy Iovine. Like, I mean, he was a translator, right? And he, uh, and at some point, he was the best manager in the world. I think he really lost touch in the last couple of years, which is a shame. But like, he was a really great inspiration to me as well. Like, someone who just had no right to be in a job that they were in, and they just really worked their way up to like the top of a profession from not being in that profession at all. So I think that those are three figures that I really kind of look up to and I'm inspired by. So yeah, Jimmy Iovine, Bobby Robson. Jose Mourinho, you know, I wouldn't serve him anything fancy. I have to go to a lot of fancy dinners for my job. I feel really, really uncomfortable at those. So I'd probably just order some pizzas so I don't have to spend any time in the kitchen cooking and I could just spend the maximum pizza's always a good time call, with them. Anyway. Yeah, I just spend the most time with them. Very good. I I, I had never heard of Was it Jimmy Iovine you said? Yeah, Jimmy Iovine. Yeah, there's uh, there, there, there's a great documentary uh, about it, actually. That's a really interesting story. Anyway, I hadn't heard of him, but you would usually assume... It's excellent, he... although I can't imagine Bobby Robson eating pizza. I have to throw that in the fly in the ointment. I don't think Bobby Robson would have been a pizza, pizza. eater. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He'd be, he'd be too much of a gentleman to decline. To, to say no. He would, yeah, he would, he exactly. would, yeah. Okay, one of my favorite questions. If your house was on fire and you could only save one non-living thing, what would you grab? So I have to admit to taking a little bit of inspiration from Suj's answer from Planet FPL when he was on your show here. So he really got me thinking. So he, he wanted to save his kid's iPad or whatever. 
Um, so like when, as soon as I listened to that episode and I heard him say that, I couldn't get out of my mind that I would save my kids like favorite teddy bear, right? Like, I mean, that is what I would do. And I don't know whether that makes me like a good dad or just like that a makes you a good dad. dad. That's oh, but like I think dad maybe I'm like yeah. a bad dad, right? Like, I just kind of feel guilty after hearing Sutch's answer that I'm like, <laughs> oh no, I have to do that. I have to do that. I have, I have to, to be a better dad. I have, and get the teddy yeah, I have to get the teddy bears. Like, as, as soon as I heard Sutch say that, I was like, okay, that's what I would do, right? Like, that is what yeah. I would do. So I, I'm not really sure. Like, if I'm a good or a bad dad, because it just made me feel guilty. But what was this? I, I was it? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely say my kids' favorite teddy bears. That would be what I would do. Look, it's much better than your phone, right? Which yeah, is, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Right. I mean, that's replaceable. Yeah. That's replaceable. That's that's true. Right. So, um, do you have any special skill outside of your job and being uh, quite decent at FPL and doing threads? Um, well, that's the thing, right? Like, if someone asked me this who didn't know me as being a fantasy football player, I would say I'm pretty good at fantasy football. Um, other than that, like, I'm a really fast reader. I'm not sure that counts, but I can read. It like, does, yeah. Yeah, I can read books or blogs or Twitter threads pretty quickly. Yeah, I, Is that I think why you that write counts. so many of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to keep. I love it though. It's brilliant, but yeah, there's, there's a lot. Fair enough. Do you type as quick as you write? Actually, I'm pretty slow typer, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty slow. Yeah, see, I, I'm, I'm a fast reader as well, including upside down. So I count that. I think that counts. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's a superpower. Yeah. Okay, so tell us, what's your favorite band or musician and what show are you currently watching on TV? Yeah, so I would say that my favorite ever band is probably The Smiths, but Morrissey's really on a mission to ruin that for me recently um, with his views, which stand for everything that I'm against. Um, but I have a very eclectic music taste. I actually mainly listen to grime over the last five years, um, and I think that's probably a bit of me holding on to like my British roots while I'm living in another country. So last year I went and watched like Gig, Skepta, Dave when they were playing in Copenhagen. So I would say that that's like my my kind of like main genre of music that I'm into right now. Um, and then what show am I currently watching on TV? Well, I kind of touched on it earlier with the Jimmy Iovine, and this is like you should definitely watch this um, if if anyone doesn't know who he is. Uh, you should watch The Defiant Ones on Netflix. So I'm actually about to watch it for the third time. I mean, it's wow. one of the best, well-produced, most interesting documentaries I've ever watched. And I mean, It sounds familiar. The name sounds familiar, but I, sorry, yeah. I might have seen reference to it. it. It's so good. So it, like, it follows like Dr. Dre's career, Jimmy Iovine's career, how they like intersect. It's like a history of music for like the last 20 years. Um, and like really building up to like how they beat, uh, built Beats headphones and how they sold it to like Apple for like $3 billion. And it's just a super interesting, well-produced documentary, really, really inspiring as well. So like when I, when, when you hear documentary, you think boring, but like it's not boring at all. It's like, it's so good. So I'm about to watch that for the third time. And that's well, like, yeah, like three I times didn't. Is, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know before it, right? So, like, and now he's someone I want to go and have dinner with. So, I would really, really recommend this show. Uh, Neil, 
Uh, tell us one guilty pleasure and one bad habit you have. We've had some real shockers on the show over the years, so um, so make sure give us give us something that we'll be able to hold against you for years to come. You've put real pressure on me there because mm. because I was gonna say I was just gonna say Twitter. I, I mean, I I think that's my guilty pleasure and my bad habit to be honest. Um, I spend way too much time on there, um, and and I really should tweet less or be on there there more than I should. Um, bad habits. I don't think I really have any bad habits. Guilty pleasure, yeah, definitely Twitter. Um, yeah, like I I don't know, like no no real shockers here. I I I've really got into this, so I was really crap at history at school and really hated it but recently i've started listening to this podcast which is called hardcore history don like, carlin or dan exactly. carlin yeah. and it's it's really really interesting so that's like my current guilty pleasure is mm. i'm like i've i'm really into this and i i used to hate history so my current guilty pleasure is that i'm like listening to history podcasts it's really out of character for me we haven't had enough people say Twitter's a bad habit. Definitely one of my bad uh, habits. Twitter is sure. definitely a bad habit. It is a bad habit. Oh, it's such an addiction. <laughs> the problem. Um, Neil, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Thanks a million for coming on The Three Amigos. Thank you for inviting me. It's been great.